Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the RyeCast Network, RyeCast.com. Today's guest, originally from Greenlawn, New York, which is near Huntington out on Long Island, our guest today currently resides in Irvington, New York, which is Westchester, and is a professor of journalism at Iona College. So this show is way over Neil's head already. He has a law degree. He has been a filmmaker. He's been a blogger for the Huffington Post. He's tried stand-up comedy. And Neil, he's given me AP credit for this broadcast journalism class by having him on the show. Masters. Yes. He may not be Shakespeare, but we have the Bard of Irvington. I will explain that joke to you later, Neil. It's Mitchell Barr. Thanks so much. Wow. I didn't know you could get a master's in podcasting. Is that that out there? (laughs) I don't know. Can you get a master's in podcasting, Mitchell? Well, when I tell people that I teach at Iona College, at least three people in my life have said that you own a college? That's awesome. (laughs) So if I own a college, I can have a master's in podcasting, and Lenny can be the first one to get the master's. Oh, bad deal. That is really good money just to start. But I would start one of those like online colleges so i don't have to leave my apartment like phoenix they also make more money yeah yeah do they make more money oh well i mean a lot of the online schools are for profit so they make lots of money yeah is that that even a thing come on let's go right there how is that even a thing that you go to college online so my first year at iona at literally a month and a half into the semester there was this big like meeting that they have every every uh, fall and the guest speaker was this retired military guy who was now the president of one of those for-profit online schools and his speech was basically that we're all going to be out of a job unless we do what he does <laughs> great so college the college experience is going to be in your underpants yeah. well, well <laughs> there is that thing out there i feel like if you just get any kind of like some companies just need something on paper to say that you did this right because they're just too they're just need to fill it they don't you know what i mean so that online profit i think surged that online oh, university really? sir i don't know university of phoenix all right. and all we'll those get schools. to colleges in a minute. i Let's think the stats say that mo- most people don't finish yeah i don't think anybody yeah. finishes <laughs> <laughs> but it's the only guy that the yeah, phone is ringing how can yeah, you yeah, finish yeah, yeah. And it is lie about because you're yeah. going to a lie and exactly. you might as well just lie about the lie it just is uh, anyways so all right let's you, get to it all right let's get to it Mitchell Bard, the reason uh, Mitchell Bard is here today is because I have a friend from high school, this guy Phil, and Mitchell's a good friend of his, and uh, my friend Phil is somewhere between, I don't know, Rain Man and the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, that's what I like to <laughs> So he's, uh, if Phil listens to the show, he does it, would be find it not funny. Um, yeah, no one but, would think that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you're the only person who ever sent me an extensive bio on yourself. And I mean extensive bio. I mean, so 
your background is crazy. Like, were it you is. trying to be in, in the entertainment business or you didn't know what you want to do, but you went to law school? Let's start there. You started with law school. You'd have to go before law school for okay. my crazy life, right? Go I graduated ahead. from college and I wanted to work in the music industry. Okay. That's what you wanted to do. That was my first love. Yeah. So then how did and that... And what do you mean by music industry? Like playing music? I, or no, no, no. I had the, no talent. Like producing? Wanted, <laughs> no, no, no. I My dad, you know, had gone to Juilliard and my mom, you know, was just a, a, um, we worked in offices and stuff. And I always say I got his love of music and her talent for music. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, no, I always I wanted to work for a record label. That was like my, but okay. the, you know the thing is, and and what did your dad do at Juilliard? Uh, he after World War II used the uh, GI Bill to go to Juilliard. He went for two years. He looked around, and said, "Wow, these guys." Are but great. what did he play at Juilliard? Oh, uh, he majored in woodwinds, like clarinet and saxophone. Oh, got it. Okay. And he looked around and said, "Wow, these people are way more talented than me." And he transferred to Columbia and became a music teacher. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, so then you wanted to be in music. Yeah, I wanted to work for a record label. That was my dream. But right, and what? How did that go awry? Oh, it, well, first of all, it's it's the generation you, you guys could probably relate to that uh, you're a year older than me, right, Lenny? Yes. I think, yeah. So we're right on the cusp between the baby boomers and Gen Xers, just into the Gen Xers by what the social scientists say. And what's interesting about that is it's not just a cutoff of dates that some egghead scientist, social scientist said. It's really true that the world changes, and we were on the tail end of all those changes. So several times in my life, I became interested in something that I wanted to do, to do only for the industry that I wanted to work in to change or disappear in front of my eyes. Oh, that's hilarious, because stand-up comedy did the same thing when I started. So everybody saw Seinfeld come through the boom of the 80s and everybody's like I want to do that and we got all excited about that and then when we got into it the thing literally crashed in my first 10 years and people were like why aren't you why aren't you famous and that's one <laughs> I don't know if that's the reason obviously I might not be talented enough but but that's one of the reasons because co comedy was on TV and it died so by the time I got good at it by the year 2000, it was over, you know. Right, and that's happened and to I me started over and like, over in my life. So but how did that, yeah, what happened in the music business quickly? Quickly that, was that, you know, the label started to shrink, and I was there as they but shrunk. But why, because of the pop music culture? The, or? the first uh, change, yeah, the, that was the first change. I was right before Napster, so I wasn't there for the total collapse. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I watched as, I worked at Tower Records in Boston, which at the time was the biggest record store in the country, mm -hmm. and I watched as the floor went from, from records to CDs in front of my eyes. Oh, that's tough driven by the record labels you know they said okay we have a new policy if you buy a record and return it you only get 70 percent back and if you buy a cd and return it you get 100 percent back oh, and the next day the manager said when you order stuff only order cds because we don't want to pay the, right. the stocking fee and that's how the whole floor changed overnight that happened with me too uh like one i used to you know everything was on vhs oh yeah and then everybody you sent a tape to to for your comedy was on vhs and then one literally almost one day they were like no, we just need a DVD or CD now. And that happened to me when I was making films. I don't mean to race ahead, but, ahead. you know, I shot, uh, I mean, um, I, I became interested in, in, in film while I was in law school. I started writing, and then when I got to New York after, um, I started meeting people and, and actually making, you know, first short films and then my feature. And, and again, it was, that was in the middle of the indie boom, you know, Brothers McMullen, Clerks, and right, Walking right. and Talking, Kicking and Screaming, all these great 90s indie films. And by the time I got my my stuff together, got funding <laughs> and did it, you know, all that was, that window was closing again. And, and the, again, to show you how the technology changes, I shot my feature in 1999 and I shot it on Super 16 because you had to sh shoot on film or you weren't taken seriously. Right. By the time my film started playing film festivals in 2001, no more film. There was only two festivals that I had to give a print to. <laughs> Everyone else wanted it on some form of you know, digital, digital, or back oh then like God. the high end video and what stuff. What was yeah. your film about? Um, I had made this short film called Super Salad. It's still like the best thing I've ever done in my life. It's a four minute sh comedy short film about a blind date that goes awry. Okay. And I made the huge mistake of thinking that my first feature had to be serious. 
So I made this kind of ponderous, boring film called Mergers and Acquisitions about a guy who was caught in the middle of a, of a takeover of, of the job, where he, uh, the place where he works. Okay, that sounds so, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all right. Awesome. All right, I mean, so you wait. Let me go get to right, the so timeline. Go so you go so, yeah. law school to, I mean, I mean music. Music, music industry right. to film industry. No, to law school. To law school. Yeah, so wait, after. Wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's, hold on a second. <laughs> let's, let's, first My of life all, is nuts. We're, we're, we're tracking different, wait, I want to, because I want to hear about the film. Okay, but let's but go back let to, go, let's go back to the why music. Why he went from did law. You, did you ever go manage a band? Did you get to that point? No, that was never my thing. I wanted to be on the label side. My goal in life was to be the head of A and R at one of the big. But don't they labels. tell you yeah. when you're when you're starting those companies, just go find music and come back? Yeah, but that wasn't. I had a, I had friends that tried to do that. You know, a, a friend of mine who I worked at a tower ended up managing an act, and that just was never my bag. I didn't want to do that. But I where did to, you what did you do in that business though? To before you, before you said uh, that this is not working. So I just worked at Tower Records for well, I had worked at a small record store called Strawberries for a while, and, and, and then I I decided that I you know. I just I didn't see a future in that and I ended up getting like a quote unquote real job for a year and then I was like no I, I need to go back to school and do something and in the meantime I'm going to work at Tower Boston and I, I worked because I had a friend that worked there Got and it. that's when I watched everything happen and my goal like I said would have been like I wanted to get I had a very distant contact at Warner Brothers in Boston that I made contact with and I and he had said get some experience in a record store we do hire a lot of uh, a lot out of there what he, what he didn't know was that the whole industry was disappearing yeah, we weren't hiring anybody in and what music here. were you going to do all rock and roll or? I mean that's my expertise obviously I would have taken any job if they were looking for like someone in, you know a jazz label was looking for anyone or I would have done it okay. but I'm a rock guy yeah okay so you never went to work for a label never got that job no nope. okay nope. so okay so then you're like this is enough of this right. you see the industry die long Law school, right? Not so, film first. Law school first. I didn't know I was interested in film at that okay. point. Okay. Yeah. So what? Law school where? Again? So I went to University of Miami. Right. My folks had moved. Why my head? Oh, Well, my folks had moved to South Florida, yeah. and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, yeah. is from Florida, and she was going to University of Florida Law School. Oh, perfect. And I didn't want to go to Florida because I knew it was very state based. I knew there was no way I was staying down there, and Miami had a reputation for being a national focus. So that's why. I so did that. wait, did you do long distance with your wife at that point? We because did for it's three pretty years. Far. So it was six hours. Yeah. And Gainesville. You were so you were never single in Miami. No. Got <laughs> it. Okay. <laughs> so you missed that the part South of Miami. Beach, Miami. But I got to yeah, tell yeah, you, yeah, having yeah. lived and gone out with my friends and stuff, I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Oh, that's South Beach. Sure, you did. <laughs> no, I, I was out on South Beach in, in the early '90s, and I saw lots of stuff. I, yeah, it, yeah. It, that's oh, not. Did my you go to the day spa that the craft went to? What's that? No, <laughs> What's it called? The Oasis Spa Day. All right. So wait, can I wait? Let's go back. So running out of time already. When you when you're making these decisions, when you make a law school decision, now you're set. So somewhere along the line, you're like, okay, your parents said, I got to start making some money. Well, I wish that, I was that, smart that enough money's to listen. driving you at this point. Not really money so much as what am I going to do with my life? Oh, okay. And it wasn't my parents. It was more me saying, like, it's fear. What are you going to do? It's right. like I need something, you know, and, you know, law seemed pretty interesting. So I, I said, you know, and the, here's the idiotic thing. The many ways in which I've been idiotic in my life um, was I said, you know, Howard Cosell was a lawyer. Tony LaRusso was a lawyer. Gary <laughs> Thorne was a lawyer. Look, and they all did interesting things. <laughs> right. right. So what the, I remember my getting ready for my first summer job at Miami. I went into the career office. And I said about alternative legal careers. And I said, oh, there's a binder over there. And there was a binder that was, I know on a podcast you can't see my hands apart, about right. six inches thick. Yeah. And I went to pull it off the wall and I almost fell down because you expect there to be weight. <laughs> and it was empty except for one piece of paper. And I opened it up and the one piece of paper was teach English in Japan. And I knew at that moment that I was royally screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ah, that's funny. Um, okay. So, but you went through it. I did. I graduated top 10% of my class, but I doesn't. And did, so did you ever practice law for a year? And then that was like, I can't do this anymore. 
I knew I couldn't do it the first day I was doing it, but I needed a job. And right. then I um like what is that that what is that thing that tells you on the first day? This is your desk. Here's a pile of shit. You're going to go through this pile of shit. Some of that. My very first day on one of my... I worked for two different guys. And the, 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 the second guy I worked for was a really great guy. Mm -hmm. And he had a, a, he was a sole practitioner. He did anything that came through the door as long as it wasn't like criminal. Pretty much he would do. Um, or that or specialties that he doesn't... like. He couldn't do Have you been in an accident? <laughs> <laughs> and the first day on the job, he sent me to accompany a husband to a house in one of the really wealthy neighborhoods in Long Island that they had gotten, they were getting in the middle of this nasty divorce and they had to sell everything to pay for the lawyers. So this, this has been stripped and he was there to get his stuff and had to be accompanied by an, an attorney in case his wife gave him any problems and, and she was there with her attorney. Oh my God. So the four of us are in the house. This is my first day. <laughs> That'll do it. And, and you're like, this is not what I thought. And it was so sad. Like, so not people crying, probably. I mean, not only that. Were the kids like in the corner, like, who are these people? And did you get called? It would have been perfect if they were. On that day, did you get called on anything? Like, you got to talk to him. Yeah. Like, did they, did there they were throw it to you? Moments like that, yes. On that first day, they threw it to you, and then you had yeah. to do lawyer talk. It's like, did it, you crack? This is my first day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was good. I just, you know, stayed there. And inside, the running monologue was, what the? I just, you know, oh, it was, and, you know, and it also seemed so meaningless. Like, these two people fighting over money to the point that all the money was going away right and this once grand house had been reduced to nothing and it was so existentially depressing. so somehow you got from after law school you got the job up here everybody moved up here i'm just filling yeah yeah room. after from law school my, my wife and i moved up moved here up and looked here. for jobs and we both got jobs okay so yeah. all right so <laughs> all right crazy so well so now comes the now you business. hate it wait wait he's in one day so how long is how long are you a in year this? a year and doing like just all the same stuff and then one day you're like honey was I can't the take money this. great no the money was horrible it was an entry-level huh. job huh. in the early 90s you know this wasn't the again it's going to come up again and again being yeah. in the if i had come out of school five years earlier all the jobs were throwing money at people yeah you know my wife's first job she was making twenty six thousand dollars a year yeah. that's how crazy it was because there were so many lawyers and not enough so i was working hourly for these guys you know what i mean yeah. and what's your wife do she's a lawyer she's a lawyer right. yeah okay yeah. so she was so the two oh my god could you imagine the table talk at dinner. Like, <laughs> I quit on my first yeah, day. Yeah, quitting my first day. Okay, so then you're like, maybe, honey, I can go into the film business. Well, no, what happened was I saw, I had been the editor-in-chief of the Entertainment Sports Law Review at Miami. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I would sometimes hear about like- You're still doing extracurricular activities going to law school? While I was in law school, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but the first but year is hard. Writing. That, it's, right. it's not that bad. But you're writing at this point. I started writing movies when I was in law school, yeah. Okay, so yeah. in the back of your head, it's already there. I'm going to write. I'm oh, gonna yeah, be a yeah. Writer. When I got to New York, my goal was th to, to, to write. make films, yeah. To make write films. for films yeah. or theater? Film. Okay, film, so yeah. you had this, and you had already... So by the time you start your the job for, as a lawyer, you're starting to carve up scripts. Oh, I was already in my second or third script by the time I got that okay. job because I had started when and I was And you're sending in. scripts out to everybody? In, in? Not yet. I was still okay. just like learning. You know, I, I took got a it. class and things okay. like that. Yeah. So right. quickly moving this along because we have two minutes <laughs> yeah, left yeah, in the yeah, segment. Yeah, yeah. We're so you make it down. the films. We're breaking it down. You make so the films. A bunch you of films, yeah. Go to the festivals. Went to the festivals. And then you realize this is not going to make me any money either. Well, it was a long time though, right? So right. it was probably 10 years of doing stuff. And oh, I, wow. Eventually I was working on other people's stuff a lot. I was a line producer for, you know, people coming to town, want to shoot for a week, and I would produce. And I don't know if I should tell this story out loud, but the moment that I knew I was getting out was I got hired. I was working with a partner and we got hired to line produce one week of shooting for a film that was shooting in L.A. Mm -hmm. And the guy whose film it was, I don't know if I should even say it. But you don't have to say his name, but yeah, it's it's, fame, somebody, yeah, we know? somebody famous. Yeah, somebody famous. Well, not like, but 
infamously famous kind okay. of thing. And it was such a disaster from every shape. I mean, the person was a disaster. The script, I was, my partner said to me, do not read the script because if you, will, if you read the script, you will refuse to work on the film and we'll lose this job. So I was banned from reading the script from my partner. So I didn't even know anything except what was going on in front of me. And it was such a disaster. And when I was standing in uh, the East Village in Tompkins Square Park at three in the morning without a permit because this star said, New York cops love me. They'll never throw us out of the park. <laughs> and you got thrown out of the park. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, um, the film had a big star? Uh, uh, this kind of infamous star. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I got. I'm, yeah. Can I guess? No. But, uh, but yeah, and I knew Roman at Polanski. that moment I said when I when I started writing films, I didn't picture myself getting thrown out of Tompkins Square Park at three in the morning because no. this doofus said that he would never get thrown out. Of okay. So when's when the epiphany come? Wrapping this segment up of now, I got to get out of this business. That was the moment. That was it. I mean, I was already moving towards that because I now was working on other people's things and I wasn't working on my own things as much. And that's not why I got into the business. I didn't want to produce other people's stuff, but that's what I was doing. But you still were writing. So you became a writer and then somehow became a professor. Can so I do this in one minute. Yes, I applied. I applied to grad school a year after I got out of college, uh, right before I started working at, at Tower Records mm -hmm. and decided that I, I didn't want that life. I didn't want to have to move wherever I had to move and things like that. And it just always stuck in the back of my head. So after I quit the, uh, after not, not I quit, after I got that horrible job that I just told you about, the line producing job, I said, I need to figure this out. So I got a job doing marketing and PR writing for a law firm so I could make some money and figure out what I was gonna do. And I said, I'm giving myself two years to figure out what I was gonna do. And I decided what I wanted to do is I wanted to go back to school and do what I was gonna do 17 years earlier, but this time more focused. I knew what I wanted to study. I was already writing for Huffington Post. I knew I was interested in kind of like the intersection of, of politics and journalism. And, and that's how I ended up going back to grad school. Uh, so grad school, but okay. And so what do you? Wh how much you write? You still write for Huffington Post all the time? No, well they don't have they don't have contributors anymore like that. So no, but I have so I haven't written for them in over. Because now it's all paid positions. Right. They don't. They have certain people that they allow to tell their stories, but they used to be have an entire line of you know contributors. And yeah, yeah. I used to like that. They and don't do that anymore. Then they now. When I feel do you like get the job as? A professor. So I was in grad school still, and I wasn't on the market yet because I was still finishing my last year of classes, hadn't started my dissertation, and I saw the job at Iona, and I mentioned it to my advisor because I said, look, this would be perfect for me. I want to get back to New York, but it needs to be next year. He said, apply. You never know what they're looking for. Be honest. Don't lie and say that you've got more than you do. Right. And I applied. I said, look, I'm finishing my classes. I still have to write my dissertation. I'm taking my prelim exams over the summer, but I could be ready to come, and I got, it. I got the interview. I got the second interview, and I got the job. And that's next there thing I know. Um, Pretty talented dude, right? And what all do you what all are you doing at Iona? What do you teach? What classes? I teach intro to journalism, uh, news writing and reporting, copy editing, broadcast journalism, and data journalism. Obviously, oh, wow. not all at the same time. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. That takes wait, us. Wait, wait, one more question. Yes. One more question because it's about this. So, uh, do you all your scripts? You have a bunch of ideas. You have a bunch of good stuff. Do you ever want to? carve it up and get it to some of these places for the television boom that's taken off the Amazons the Netflix have you ever thought about that it, Neil's asking if we can drag just you back in your, just can we drag your, you back just in just your people agent. drag me in all the time one of my old scripts that a friend of mine in London who's a producer had tried to get made when I was in grad school he came back to me and said will you do a rewrite I'll try and get it made again so in the middle of my grad school I did another rewrite I'm always getting I do I mean everyone See? knows I was a filmmaker the the theater in Irvington that I'm on the um, the commission for needed a little movie to promote it and they're like you're a filmmaker so I found a friend up there who's also a filmmaker and we made that little little movie together so yes I always get pulled back there in. you go and never there leaves you, you. pulls back in that's oh, that was a that weak was one a terrible one there you Bad. go all right well this gets us to where you are today um, which is a college professor
again at the end of the like at, uh, there's a 20 years too late like everything to be a else. professor yes you mean 20 years ago if you well, were a professor ten or 10 years yeah. ago why what how did the prof- because college is so expensive now they spend money but so, you should be getting paid a ton of dough because it's so expensive to go to college no but there's fewer college-age kids now so there's all this competition now especially in the northeast so colleges are going out of business. So the, col- uh, the college in New Rochelle just went under. They're a hundred and something year old school. Oh they just God. folded. Oh um, shit! Is big- there any big college that we know going out of business? I don't know, but well, that was a pretty big school. I mean, you know, college of New Rochelle. I mean, it's been around for over a hundred years. It's I don't like know a- one person went to the college of New Rochelle. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have had thousands and thousands of it graduates like, over the years. I mean, uh, they're, Joan they're, Rivers' uh, mother. Uh, went to college uh, their the basketball team. Here's a good rule. Well, their <laughs> basketball <laughs> team did make the NCAA tournament, so honey, you say, don't know. I, I was going to say the I never heard of them yeah, rule yeah, is yeah, not yeah. a great way to assess whether yeah, or not yeah. something is. You know, Wait, no, but I never heard of one person going there. You think I know a lot of people in the New York area. One of them should have gone to the college. You know, schools are struggling, and it's just a different world out there. Did they get in the bowl game? Is what Lenny's asking. Can they get in the? I mean, I went to a division. Three uh, school and I don't know. I've never heard of college. But now well, I, they're Division well, I One. I teach at a Division One school. So yeah. who did? I teach. Oh, at you Division teach. One oh, that's right. Iona. Is they Jeff Ruland still there? No, he's long gone. They're playing <laughs> North Carolina tonight. today. Yeah. 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 There you go. I have a basketball player in one of my classes. There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should. Oh, did you pass him? You should have failed. Well, him. It's only halfway through the semester. He's actually doing his work. Ah, okay. there you go. There we go. Mitchell's Which not letting him out. What if they were like in the. <laughs> Yeah. Finals and he was failing. Wait Would you like skate him through? I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Such a big sports fan. Um, do you have a favorite intro to journalism, news journalism, broadcast journalism, data journalism, copy editing? So it's counterintuitive, but copy editing is my favorite class. Really? Yep. When I found out I had to teach it, I was, I was almost in tears. I'm like, how? This is the most boring stuff in the world. But there is something about it that the kids come in thinking they're going to hate it, and by the end. I cannot. I get more feedback from that class than any others. Of I'm so glad I took that class. I learned so much. It's the one time I feel like there, like there's really uh, that the students are taking something away with them. And ironically, our friend there, Phil, who introduced us, isn't he in that business? Like he's in the he writes the copy. He writes the copy. Yes. So have and you he ever produces. heard any of his copy that you've gone, Phil? You really should have added that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have New York One. I can't watch. But I will say, a couple years ago, when I had when I taught broadcast journalism at night, which I don't usually do, um, one class, Phil was nice enough. We brought the whole class down to and another class that meets at that time down to New York One, and Phil gave us a tour and everything. Do you read? Let's go to some college information here. Okay. Do you read plagiarized papers all the time? Um, the we, the technology helps. So now we have this thing called Turnitin, which has a record of like all of these publicly available sources as well as any paper that's ever been turned in to Turnitin. So I get an instant report when they turn it in if they've cheated or not. Really? Yeah. Do they know that? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Because they, so they all, everybody who has does a paper now has to turn in a paper. They turn to it the in service. to turn it in. Yeah. Is that across the country? Uh, every school I know of does that. Wow. I, I, I don't know, know that, that it's no, turned Neil, it in. Neil, you but, would yeah. be so hosed. Yep. I'd still find a way. <laughs> he really would. <laughs> so it doesn't, believe it or not, it hasn't happened that often. But then you get the time where it comes up that like there, there was an intro sentence that didn't match. Right. Then a paragraph that was taken word for word out of one website, one, a paragraph of another, another a paragraph of another. And then and then they, the, the guy wrote the conclusion. Yeah. The, yeah the way they the, the way out is now. That's why that whole scandal just happens because rich people, they know that you can't cheat. But now you just pay a struggling screenwriter in L.A. and then he writes your shit for you. So oh, you that's know what I mean? True. So now the system is people are just paying talented people to write their shit. Oh, which that's, makes, 
that's the way out. You just spend Leave like eight thousand. You spend a thousand dollars. You can always buy your way out of everything in America. Wait, so <laughs> let's go out of. Let's go back. You've been a professor for how long? This now? is my. I'm finishing up my sixth year. Okay, because Bethel's mom's a. Uh, she teaches creative writing. She has all over Los Angeles. She's right. all these great schools, and she says like the students. She's noticed a noticeable difference from the students coming up education wise, writing, especially writing wise. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It's, it's why? declining. Yeah. Why? You know. If I knew that, is I it mean, the texting? I think, I think. Well, the texting doesn't help because a lot of times they don't write in complete sentences because right. they're used to texting and yeah. dropping articles right. and you know. Verb. They literally don't write anymore either. They type. Right. Right. And when will that be accepted? When can you just write the letter U for Y O U? Is it coming? I was going to say when Prince is elected president, but he's not with us anymore, so I don't know. I feel like they're going to make this change. No, you know, I see a lot of things. You know, the AP Style Book is kind of like the arbiter of what you can do and can't do, yes. and they're a little behind the time, but they catch up. And I'm just every once in a while they cave, right? So they keep caving. Over That's and over what I again. thought. That's what I so think. So it's, it's coming. Anything you're thinking of yeah, at some point in the future, the AP Style Book is going to cave. It's crazy is there everybody types on it like when i was in school every paper you had to turn in was a typewriter me too right, right? and then so now that which was a nightmare so now this is way easier for them to actually type the paper and print it but you have to go to college with a laptop right they don't it's print like, i don't accept printed papers they have to turn in everything electronically oh yeah. i see yeah okay well, even if i'm not going through turn it in like even if it's <laughs> the kind of thing where it's like original reporting and right. there's nothing for it to match or whatever I st there's another way they can turn it in through the i see the school so you, there's not even paper anymore i use paper going out because they need the reminders right you know what i'm saying right. like i would love to go paperless out right i can't but i go paper paperless in because i can control that oh wow yeah Damn. the world's changed it really has <laughs> it's crazy you know like and that if you don't what if somebody if your laptop breaks you're done do you know how many times I've heard that? Yeah, probably about a billion. I need an extension. My laptop, laptop broke, or you know, crashed, or just go to the Genius Bar, bar though. Just go to the Genius Bar and done. It's fixed. That's got to be an opening line to your semester. Like, I don't want to hear the excuse my laptop. Well, broke. one thing I say is get two of them. Is don't save anything in one place. So right. you know, we do a um, a design project and copy editing where they have to lay out like two pages of a right. company newsletter type thing. And I always say, don't come to me and say you lost the file. Save it in three places. Email it to yourself. Get a jump drive, right. you know, because they all put it on their shared drive. And, you know, any college IT system is going to have glitches. Yeah. And they'll be like, I saved it and it was gone. It's like, so then access one of the two or three other places you saved it. Oh, I didn't. I, I still have 300 page screenplays in my freezer. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> They, they've in been in there freezer? for almost 10 years. Ah. They're in there. Because that way, when the, the, ice cream didn't well, when the apartment them. burned down, that was the one thing that was going to burn uh, down. It'd be ice. like, all I care about is <laughs> these three fucking screenplays. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's a I've taken your advice. There's a joke to be made about a hot script and a cold script. But, yeah. you, know, you guys are the comedians. I'll leave it to you. Well, it's, that would, they the would have been. the perfect metaphor for Neil's scripts. Yeah, that would have cold, been right. Cold, cold, That would have been correct. Um, That's very funny. And uh, now. And now, how much are you? What about all the other stuff like screenwriting and all that? You don't teach any of that. At I don't. The funny thing is, it's the same department, the mass comm department at Iona, oh. and there. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very friendly with the, with with the professor who teaches that stuff and everything. But you know, she does a great job of it. They don't need me. Yeah. So yeah. Um, does anybody ever become a journalist and come back to say thank you? Or I see people get journalism jobs all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would say that anybody's byline that you could tell us to read. Uh, uh, in this day and age, a lot of them are going into like TV. I like I know two of my graduates that are now TV news producers oh, and wow. things like that. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, the thing is, a lot of people major in journalism not to become a journalist. 
Oh. Especially, I noticed at Iona, a lot of the honors students who are English majors also major in journalism. I think there's a perception that... Is that a backup plan? It's also a different type of... It's a, it's a more practical type of skill you know what i mean like english majors people can be dismissive i'm not but uh, but my sister was an english major the only thing she could do is either teach english she became a librarian uh even that usually need a master's in library she does one of my original jokes is about my sister's getting a master's in library (laughs) science like what do you you know like uh the cat in the hat you know like i'm I'm not calling she was gonna go for the phd i'm not calling you dr marcus Dr. Marcus, to reference, Dr. Marcus, to reference, this is a small boy trapped under the giant S portion of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Dr. Marcus, you know. That joke hasn't aged well. No, it has not. It's a 20-year-old joke. But anyway, yes, there's not much you could do with that English degree. So a, they fail. And, you know, the, the, there's no major if you want to be like, and not that this is a thriving field, but a lot of the really smart kids want to be like in publishing, right? They want to work for like a, a publishing company. Yeah, but you can't major in that. So they see English and journalism as a way of combining the skills that go into doing something like that. Now, mm-hmm. that business has really gone down the crap or the publishing business and yeah, books and I all don't, that. That's really changed maybe more than any of them. It's all yeah. online. Well, I mean, there the are book. there's like three publishers. You know what I mean? All those days where all the publishers are looking for manuscripts and all, and the literary, all that stuff's gone. It's all like three. It's, imagine, houses, it's three amazing houses. how many stuff died out in the last fifteen years. Well, honest. just everything's moving fast now. Are you a tenure teacher? Is that right? I'm on the tenure track, and oh, got it. I'm okay. supposed to hear. Oh, that's coming in up in like a month. Do you and finally get a nice, nice sleep when that happens? You know, it's it's one of those things that's out of your control. You know, like I had to submit in October a tenure portfolio. It's again, again, I'm on podcasting showing with my fingers, but like the same size of the binder that I pulled out and almost fell down at law school. I had to submit with like everything I've ever written and like all this other stuff and copies of my course evals. And, you know, it's it was a huge job when that was handed in. That was when I slept well, because now I've done everything I can do. Yeah, you you know, it's out of my hands now. So and do you love the campus life like as a uh, being on campus and a professor that always seems pretty cool like because you have some freedom i do but again it's not the same way as it was the the, the college has changed you guys it has changed which it. i love to open this up so how was how what do you mean i you, i see Neil, i still have the picture in my head school. of you wearing a, like i have Tweed? A, I, I know like a corduroy brown yeah. jacket that i have in my closet you had that. That's how I envision all the professors walking they around. They should walk and around just like that. Kind of they have to look different and having great conversations. Well, at Wisconsin, and, and that's how having great conversations. Where yeah. I got my PhD in Wisconsin, and I was also a TA, so I taught every semester. The professors all wore jeans. Yeah, that's a jeans with the but corduroy jacket. I own much more conservative, so they don't really. Yeah. You wear a suit. I wear jeans on Fridays, but um, but they don't like that either. But yeah, I mean, no, business casual is what they expect the professors mm-hmm. to wear. So I mean, oh, you do shit most. You could tell the professors immediately, can't you? Well, like, we're older. I yeah. mean, you have a. You I know, mean, you're not 25. If, you yeah, know, yeah. No, if I'm I walking like around, I own it. If I'm yeah. not a professor, they should be calling the cops. I right? Like that. Right. There has <laughs> not been a good college professor TV show in a while. We got to carve that up. Yeah, there's college a reason pro- for that. Let me just tell you how important <laughs> the professors are. Like, you will remember a good professor. Like, if I had to go back to school, I think I would not rethink from Baylor. All my not from Baylor. What? <laughs> my, I don't remember any. I was terrible in college. Oh no, my college professors. I'm saying. If you had a good one, you might remember them. My yeah. college professors were brutally bad. The math professors, I was. Math I just major. wasn't ready to. Horrible. I don't blame it on my professors. I blame it on the fact I wasn't ready to learn in college. By the time I got to college, I was there was you no, were done. My learning skills have not developed yet. It I wasn't until way after that. I that, totally agree. Like now, like for some reason, that pocket. I think I should have gone after to school you get older. out of uh, high school. It's like 
that pocket, you do not want to go learn more. I don't know. I don't yeah. know who wants to go. I got to soak up more of this. Sh- no, it's. Uh, I took two years off between college and law school. Yeah. And, and two years is nothing. Like looking back right. now, two years is like it's like a blink for us, right? right. But at at the time. It was such a huge thing. I mean, right. the kids who went straight from college to law school, they seemed like 12-year-olds to me. Right. And it, and it wasn't the two years of time passing. It was that Experience. I went into the world, I worked, I was like, oh. This is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel you like know, anybody who goes to law school right after college just simply has no idea what they're doing. They yeah. just, someone right. told them to go to law. They're like, I'm in law school. They I'm should the- make everybody go live for two years. I right. Agree. And then when they, then the next, you all will beg your parents to go to whatever the next level is. Right. You know, college. Yeah. Because the world is so... It slaps you in the face so hard. But again, law school uh, applications are down. Law schools would never turn anyone down at this point. So there's no way they're going to make people wait. Too <laughs> That's right. Because um, it's a different world because the things have changed. And we're at the beginning of Gen X and everything changed for us. Wait, sir. <laughs> are you saying because you keep saying that all this is, is college itself. The formula is not working anymore. I didn't say it's not working. I'm saying that it's not. It just doesn't because of it used to be. When I decided to go back to school, like at 42, yeah. right? One of the reasons why I thought it was a responsible decision was instead of chasing like the entertainment business, which is like so hard, this is like a steady what, you know, what could be more in place than college. Yeah. But it turns out that even that is evolving <laughs> now because there's so few applications compared to what there used to be at, unless you're at the elite, elite, elite school. So, yes, for Stanford, um, you know, they'll pay five. They're thriving. So Stanford's yeah. thriving. Yeah. Right. But what about a regular school? I mean, what about like just the, the good, like the big 10 schools, like Wisconsin, mm-hmm. they're still thriving. These and I, yeah, because they're they're you know, for their state, they are. I mean, like Wisconsin was the kind of place where there were people coming from out of state, of course. Um, but the bulk of their students were the creme de la creme of the of the different places around Wisconsin. If and you, does sports yeah. matter in that? Does sports oh make God, a yes. huge difference? Because I own a that that appearance in a tournament puts this school on the map in a way yeah i i i don't i want to be careful how i phrase this yeah there is i don't think there's anything more important to this school from a point of view of the school yeah. as them making the nca tournament because <laughs> it's great advertising <laughs> it's everything yeah it's yeah, everything. yeah yeah it's i everything. feel like we've i'm trying to figure out like when you say uh, like a school the, uh, what school were you talking about the one the hundred year school. Of, oh, college of New Rochelle. Yeah, so New Rochelle, it's like you just don't. It's just not getting the the. You don't know it because they don't have sports in a way. Right, yeah, but right. are are something. No, that's I mean, that, I mean, you it. could argue Bard. Well, obviously, Bard doesn't have sports, but Bard thrives, I guess. Or, I don't know if it does. Does I mean, it? A lot I'm of those. I mean, Bennington does. College, which was I just read the an only thing about, I know about Bard College, Hampshire is, College, yeah. struggling. That was when I was a kid. Hampshire College was like this. Well These are all great schools, yeah, and they're all struggling. Yeah, hmm. well, Bard College, Steely Dan doesn't go to Bard, right? <laughs> I don't know. That. Steely Dan went to Bard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I only knew about his mom went to Bard. Yeah, it's a great school. I only knew about Bard because my last name is Bard. Oh yeah, that's right. You have to know about Bard. Well, Bard always the big their big calling card was they had classes that you didn't know were classes <laughs> so you'd just be chilling yeah and, and, you're in a class. and that was a class oh, like I'm, I'm making it up but that's kind of like well, a lot of those they didn't like to sit down i don't know I, to wrap this up as far as professors go i find all the looking back on all my professors i'm like they they were bad teachers like that you want to i wanted them to teach you know they were more like reciting mm-hmm. and i had to you know just play you know follow you know, and I thought that was you like, wanted to be inspired. But I did. That, that, I wanted to be inspired. That, I'm sure I wanted like to be inspired. I want them to explain it professor. in a way. These guys are so especially math. You know, you get to this upper level math. Yeah. You either talk Chinese like they do or you're done. 
You know, like you you understand what they're saying. You have two seconds to catch on. And then if you don't, you're dead. But understand the background. So you're a professor. Yeah. And it's something like math. He's a prodigy. And he went to school and studied math. Right. And he got his Ph.D. in math. math. He and no he idea. never I mean, I went through, got my en- entire Ph.D., never took one class in being in a teacher. Yeah. Now, luckily, at Wisconsin, which is like a wonderful place, mm-hmm. the professors decided that that was something they had to do. Mm-hmm. So the, the people I T.A. for essentially gave me a class in how to be a professor. There you go. Yeah. Oh, but being nice. on a film set. I know it sounds pe- this, I, what I know it sounds crazy, but that teaches you everything you know how to to because in the film world you have to inspire people, you have to motivate people. You you're doing everything on a film set, so anytime you're doing these real world jobs and then go back to teach, I feel like it's so much easier because you have this you have this ability to communicate, to sell, to bring people together, and that's what maybe they miss when you're training a teacher. A teacher doesn't know how to get into a classroom and. And galvanize every piece. If you're working on a film set, which you were, you have to literally deal with freaking thousands of people every second. Yeah, I see what you're saying. At high-pressure situations. But I think teaching is its own thing. And I think either people learn how to do it or they don't. And your math professor has never had an opportunity to learn. Right. I'm not defending. I'm just saying, you know. Absolutely. Um, Real quick, Neil, just last thing. I'm going to throw this at you. Did you learn? What was your degree? One and two. Did you? Because I don't remember. No, I I did not learn anything. Did you learn? I was pre-med the first two years. Right. And our two and a half years. And then you said it's a business, right? Yeah, and then I made a call to my parents in tears <laughs> going, this is not going to work. I haven't studied in two years. <laughs> How did you last and that I still, long in pre-med? I still had like a 3-2. I still, it was wow. easy because I could fiddle my, I could figure my way around, but I had no interest in it. I was just, the only thing that I enjoyed about my pre-med years was when I went back home, my parents were super proud of saying their son's going to be a doctor. And I enjoyed that like five-second moment right. as that introduction. Other than and that, I was like, it. in my head, I'm like, this is never going to last. Boy, but I eventually, I eventually had to come out of the closet and go, okay, this, this is not working. <laughs> but no, I, well, I have so many great college stories. I mean, it's, uh, well, but that's, mine, mine go from, save it. I'll, no, I'll tell you my one favorite story. I was going <laughs> to say my one it. favorite story. We don't we're have talking about cheating. It's, it's my favorite. I saved a life in college. And it's a cheating story. I was pre-med. This is at the end of my pre-med. And this guy next to me is cheating through the rat exam. So the rat, there's open rats all over the place. And you're, it's pre-med. And you're putting them down there. And this guy is blatantly opening up his uh, denim jacket. Yeah. And he's got papers. It's the most blatant, awful cheating job ever. Mm-hmm. And, and he's cheating right next to me. And I'm like, oh, my. He's making me uncomfortable. And so after the class... And I do really well in this. after the class. All the teachers, the professor, the university calls me, and they like we want you to, we want you to go. He broke the code of cheating. He clearly was cheating. Yeah. We need one person. Will you verify that he was cheating? And then if we have you, then he's out of the school. You know, the punishment was extreme. He had broke, and I failed. I said I didn't see him. So how'd you save a life? I saved his life. I don't know what he's doing oh now. He's probably God. in jail. But no, you, that was my, that was life. my, that, I did. I could have turned him in. He would have been kicked right out of school. You got to find out what that guy was up to. Like, did you save his life or did you make his life worse? Probably. What if he became a doctor that killed people? That's right. Probably, but That's I right. was part of that. I'm Dr. whatever Kevorkian. the case. All right. In a moment. Oh, stink. His name was Jim Jones. No, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, this leads us to the third one. We're going to take a hard. I think we could do like an track. hour on just college. I know. State of college. We'll have Mitchell back. And we, we didn't even talk about the Huffington Post. I How know. Do we... a... Lenny won't He's let me good. ever go to politics. Do you guys talk politics a lot in those classes? Mm-hmm. In which classes? In all your stuff. And I own a, I try and stay away from politics in my classes. Oh, the Lenny Marcus formula. That's no, why we do this podcast. Can we move on? Uh, no, you? I'm done. I'm done. I'm just bringing it up. All right. 
Um, the third one is sports. Now, somehow through all of this, you're a huge sports fan. Yes, although to be completely clear, the, the level of my sports fandom yes. is not the same as it was as when I was like 11. Well, you know that's what, I mean? what everybody's okay. a, you but know, yes. I would think that dies and off, but still to this I've day. I narrowed the sports also. Like now I'm a fanatic Yankee fan, I'm a yeah. near fanatic Islander fan, I'm a near fanatic Arsenal fan, and after that I don't care. <laughs> oh, the Nick, you lost the Knicks? I mean it probably would be the Nets and no, I don't care. Right. Uh, <laughs> or football, no football. I was a Jet fan. I don't watch football anymore, so I'm not any fan. And my son, once, I remember a couple of years ago, the Jets had a, a last game of the season. If they won, they'd go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I watched a Jet game for the first time in like five years. And my son had never seen, he's eight now, had never seen me watch a football game. So he walked in, he's like, what's this? I'm like, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching a football game. He's like, who are we rooting for? And I thought about it quickly and I said, okay, here's the rule. If you decide you like football, I said, I'm, I'm rooting for the Jets. But if you decide you like football, you're going to be a Giants fan. <laughs> and he said, why? I said, well, because they're owned by, it seems like, nice people who gen- tend to be pretty smart. Right. And the Jets are owned by a not-so-great guy who tends not to be very smart. So you should be a Giant fan. And he goes, okay. And he walked out. And that was and that like the was last it. football discussion we ever had. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> um, it's funny that um, when I think back at college, wrapping this all together, that sports has probably taught me more than anything else. One and two, I don't think I've ever would ever. My whole life is based on sports, so it's really weird that like when we talk about education, whatever. Neil and I have gone through this before. You could learn more about a person on a sports field than you, I can ever learn just having a conversation with them. A hundred percent. I mean, I say this all the time. If I'm coming down on a two-on-one break, right, and this guy's got the ball, and I'm the other guy in the wing, and and there's one defender, and this guy goes right into the defender when I'm standing wide open. You have just told me everything I need to know about you in life. You're a selfish piece of shit who wants all the glory for himself. You know, like, you don't, I don't even know. I'm not hiring this guy. I'm not dealing with this guy. I'm not dating his sister. You know, like, whatever you want to. Anyone who's ever terrible. watched or played sports. Yeah. Knew where that story was going the minute you said two on one on the defender. Yes. That's how clear it is. <laughs> and it's so yeah. clear. Man, I cannot explain that to anybody who's never played sport. They go, the sports is stupid. And I was like, what'd you do as a child? Play the piano? You, know, you better be the best piano player in the world. Because you didn't learn shit. You don't know anything. And you, when you meet those people, they really don't. They don't know themselves. They don't know anything. They don't. They're undisciplined a lot of the time. They're they're haphazard. You know, their lives are weird. You know, I can't even tell you how many things that you could possibly learn from sports. So sports are really complicated, and I think too often people try and throw out everything. Yeah. And I will admit that there are issues with sports. Yes. But the side of it that you're bringing up. Yeah. And you know, and also I don't know how to. This is going to sound crazy. Yeah. I don't know what it's like to live a life where sports is an important part of it. I was such a huge baseball fan as yeah. a kid that from the t- until I discovered that that girls mattered, yeah. that there were two things in life. There was baseball <laughs> and things that were not baseball. Oh, I'm with you 100%. That's still going now. Like my I come home, my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm watching the Yankee replay that starts up at 11. You know, she's like, aren't you going to go to sleep? Yeah, I got to see the fourth inning, though. You know, I mean, it's just insane. You know, people you like it's still going. And if I didn't have a wife and a child, I I I could definitely talk Yankees baseball all day long, you know, on a radio show or anything. Neil, same thing. I mean, Neil's whole life up until college or even through college was based on 
this like his he was a high school <laughs> was, big man on campus. He joke. scored fifty two points in a high school basketball a, game and never let anyone forget it. I it was you're that I'm guy just joking around. You're not joking around. That was big. You broke your Friday brother's night record. Lights. Go ahead, tell everyone. Do you remember the everyone date? Everyone knows tell us this the story. Date. I know it. There's no date to it. It happened in November. <laughs> no, it happened later in the season. In and when you broke it, you bro- I'm sure you. you I go back fun. every year and I rent out that gym. And I, <laughs> I repeat the moment. But no, Lenny, I, I'm just joking. Lenny. I bet you remember every big sports moment you ever had. Everyone in pickup games. It doesn't matter. Everyone. I can tell. That's why Phil is so like our friend Phil. Vivid memories of Phil running through the outfield very slowly. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, I mean, he's not getting there. I could see him. He const- I could see his body as a child reaching over to try and grab the ball and, and not diving, and it goes under his glove and rolling to the wall. Like, vivid memories of me screaming at him, you know, or people screaming at him. Like, he's just not good enough to stop yelling at him. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so vivid memories of... Like Wait, does plays does, that he remember he was talking about play. We went to a game and yeah. he was talking about this one play. I remember the play. You know what I mean? That's how crazy. But do your does your wife love sports? No. Does, does <laughs> Doesn't Gina care at all. Lo- no. Not a, Gina not loves college basketball and she's very upset because now that we have the baby, she did not get to follow college basketball this yeah. year like she did. Did she go to a big college basketball school? She went Is to Temple. Oh. She started at Penn State, but then she went to Temple, so she roots for Temple. But then she's from Philly, so they all root for Villanova. Oh, gotcha. Because okay. Jay Wright's cute. <laughs> he was at Hofstra. Yeah, he was at Hofstra, right? Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. But the guy. thing is, that with that, it makes a difference because when you talk about sports, uh, like we all revere sports, live through them, talk about them. I can't. I don't but know what my life would have been without Bethel. Does absolutely has no interest. I mean, when I turned the game on last night, she it, just she doesn't even move. It's just a she involves. She just goes right to the other room. It's like she hears this the sound like agitates right. her and almost almost in a she'll go right to musical theater almost to. It's almost combative. Can I list the litany of Bethel problems because she didn't <laughs> I, like sports? I know, I know, it's true, but it's weird. She did grow up swimming, but she just doesn't. There is a there is a large group of people that don't appreciate sports, don't like. Sports, yeah, I don't, don't understand yeah. those people. I really don't. Like, I meet them, I know them. I have very few friends that you could call great friends because they could. Don't you go get a this. year without sports? No. Could you go a year without any sports? I've never done it, so that's the thing. I that's mean, what nothing, I was saying earlier. not one game on TV, nothing. Cold I, turkey. I, you, I would have to relearn how to live my life. Now, is that <laughs> is that a bad thing or a good thing? Oh, Someone no. else can decide that. But I, I yeah. oh, my life would have been. I would have been in Harvard. <laughs> I watched every game. Like I remember, I don't even know what my parents, what I would have done. I remember running in the '77 World Series, like back and forth from the TV set. My mother, who could give a shit. Just sitting in the other room on reading a paper, and I'd run in. Reggie Jackson hit another home run. Oh my god, he hit another home run. And my wife, my wife, my mother, just looking up like, mm-hmm. you know, like goes like losing my mind. You I know? was there. You were at the game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. were at that game. See, yeah. how could you oh, not? Wow, there you go. I mean, how is that not seared in your head? I mean, my dad was a crazy baseball fan. Yeah. So we, I mean, we had like a Sunday plan mm-hmm. beginning in '73. So I went to every home Yankee playoff game through that run. I was there for um, Tamlis's walk-off homer, the Nettles, the Incredible. Reggie Jackson hip, you know, all those and things. And jumping up and down with your dad, yeah. bonding moments, craziness. The people with around you, high-fiving. Nuts, and, yeah. It's like, Ma, you probably walked in the house, your head exploded on top head of your exploded. mom. Head exploded. Right. Yeah. I and mean, how is that? How, do, how does Bethel have any moment like that in her childhood that even compares? It doesn't. But it's it just... 
I don't. I mean, I'm not saying it's a male female thing, but it's definitely there. Like, especially like you like Arsenal. When you watch Arsenal, maybe I mean, or any Premier League soccer, more there's no girls in the crowd. I feel like I'm looking at a crowd full of. I'm trying men. to remember. I, I've been to a same couple with the Yankee games. Stadium. I mean, the Yankee Stadium. No, there's does a lot have, of girls. No, there's a lot of women in Yankee Stadium. Stadium. No, Yankee Stadium has women, but still the majority is men. But an Arsenal game, oh my god, a Premier League soccer is like majority of men. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to an Arsenal match 11 years ago. Um, it was a Monday night against Blackburn, like the most like, you know, drab game you can ever have. And the atmosphere in the stadium and Arsenal has a reputation for having the worst atmosphere of any stadium <laughs> oh, in the Premier the, League. Yeah, and it's and the atmosphere that night was more than anything short of an Islander or Yankee playoff game. No regular season Islander or Yankee game ever reached the level of. Yeah, you know why? Because they have no other sports. They don't play as many games and they don't have any other sports. They, they do have other they have sports. No other less outlet. Competition. They're the most pent up group of people. <laughs> Let it out. I'm going there in three weeks. Don't That's make it so that I can't go. <laughs> this is why I'm saying this terrorism. You know what I mean? Because they don't have, like Iran doesn't have a great league. You know what I mean? They can't. You know what I mean? It's not a bad. We have nothing to. Do. What do you want to do? You want to play ball? No, let's blow up stuff. I can't get. Not no a stuff. bad idea. Iran beat just... us in soccer in the World Cup, so obviously they do something. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a bad strategy. Well, but international sports bring the NBA everywhere, and then we'll. Well, that's there. why the Olympics. We all come together, and everybody watches the Olympics because it's like this crazy, yeah. beautiful moment. What other universal thing? Musical that theater. All... <laughs> Wait, oh, Japan comes here for musical I'm theater? I'm just saying, if we all could watch Hamilton go, together... If we could all watch it would be a, Yun, it would be a better society. Oh, Peter just went to see that. He, he did saw not. that or whatever. What yeah, he yeah, I said that. I've always... He said it... He always wants no, to see Shin Yun? He's, I've always wanted to see... I've seen these commercials the commercials. forever. They run constantly. So have there's you heard... a commercial this? in New York. There's You've this, never seen it? There's a troupe oh of acrobat dancers from China that comes 1, here once 1,000 years of history. Yeah. In the making. Yeah, yeah. Shin Yun. Yeah. Like, I want to go now on Broadway, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah. no, Peter is, went and said it was amazing. <laughs> OK, but for no reason, he yeah. can't describe anything that happened. He just says it was amazing. That's it. Almost like he's been programmed when you leave this place. They all have the same spiel. Like, and I can tell you amazing. that I wouldn't like it. You know why? Because why? have you ever seen Cirque du Soleil? Yes. Yeah. All right. My I came out of Cirque du, Soleil, Cirque du Soleil and this was my reaction. I understand that a guy holding up his entire body weight on his finger with another guy on his shoulders is something that less than zero one point zero 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 one percent of people in the world can do. Right. And I can say that that's amazing. Why am I watching that? <laughs> that true. That's what I want to know. I well, because it's, it's amazing. It is. That's why enough. you're watching it. I, I kind of have that. I went to two in, in Vegas, and then by when you go to this, it's like yeah, it's it's worth one visit to say you did did it, and then after that, I agree with that. Um. Yeah, I don't. I have but no sh- interest in that whatsoever. Sh- I mean, it's nice show. I went to see, but I don't remember it. No, I know. I Look, they have to, to add stuff it. like Beatles I, music to it to get you to remember yeah. it because you're not going to remember the guy with the one finger on the. I also you know. don't walk in the house and go, oh my God, honey, we, you've <laughs> got to go see shit, you. You're never going to believe what happened. This guy was on one finger balancing a thing because that doesn't, you because know, that doesn't fly. But anything that happened, did you watch the game? Even my wife would go, yeah, it was amazing. Like she'll admit it was amazing and now mad she didn't go. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the Super Bowl, we went. I was at the um, one of the Super Bowl at halftime. The Giants were in. The, Neil and I went to the Super Bowl. The uh, the Patriots won. The helmet catch. The helmet catch. They're yeah. supposed to be blown out, right? Neil and I on the way in. Neil, t- we vividly remember this. People on the way in going, "Great season, buddy. Great season." Like in our, we're in Giants, where great season, you guys. I mean, they're coming in to see the coronation of this king. You know, the Miami Dolphins are crying in the corner. You know, like everybody. That game ends. It is like like. Schindler's List. People walking like so, crying, upset. The Patriots fans like 
<laughs> my favorite, no, my Bowling favorite memory crying. was behind us was all those Giants fans, average age of like sixty. Yeah, bunch of old fat guys. They're all crying, crying like, like four they, in a row. They knew what they've seen. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. like it was just. It's like the craziest time we're walking around. We, you remember Arizona. You remember every yeah. last bit of this moment where they it is. It is. I don't know. I, mean, I can baseball, remember the play. Yeah. Eli rolls out. He's in the pile. He rolls out. I'm like, he's still going. There's no whistle. And then he whips it down the field. I'm like, I think he caught it. You know, like it's like sick. It's sick. You know, it. But football's different. Baseball, I understand. As I get older, I understand the pool of baseball. The fact that it's every day. Mm-hmm. What do you and mean? It, uh, the baseball just, just has it's a, a more, commitment. Yeah, it's not just a commitment. It has a powerful, everyday relentlessness to well, it. You, you know live what I mean? through the year of that the team. Basketball, football are not every day. I mean, you're talking that really takes up your life and then it soaks up in more. So I think that's the most. It, it wasn't until I got older that I, I love baseball even more because of that. Oh, well, it's such a grind. You know, it's, a, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I mean, Neil, at some point, like we, we both hated Alex Rodriguez. I still hate Alex Rodriguez, but I can't for the life of me figure out like he, this guy is such an anomaly as far as like people thought he was like the greatest thing ever. And we just hated him. Like he would constantly. But hate got us. Got, got us, got, got us to watch it every, every day. day. You yeah. know, like he's compelling, even if you don't like him. Yeah. It got us there every day just to complain about him and, and see that. But right. I, I agree that there's nothing more. There's nothing like that. Favorite team you've ever followed. You like mean, for a year, favorite year. Can you remember one year that you're like, I love that team? Was it the 77 thing? Because you were there to the end. No, it was 76. The year before. Yeah. So remember, the Yankees won the World Series in 62. They lost the World Series in 63 and 64. And, they were bad and then forever. they were bad forever. And I was born in 66. Yeah. So I started going to Yankee games and they stunk. And then stunk. And there was like, a, a, I. Phil, forgive me, but there was a Phil Ellison like streak where I went to something like twenty straight games and they lost. Right, right, and and this was and I was like an eight year old, you know, I was young, yeah. and my dad and mom were always like, he keeps going back, like they couldn't believe I kept going, going even back. though. So in '76, when they were good that year, I part of me didn't trust it, but I remember I went to the three game series against the Red Sox when the Yankees were fourteen up in right. July or August. Uh-huh. We went to all three games: Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. We had our Sunday ticket plan. We got tickets for Saturday and Friday, right. and they swept to go up seventeen. And it was only when they won on Sunday that I went, "Oh my God, they're going to win the division!" Yeah. Like, and so that even though they lost the World Series and they got swept and it was embarrassing and everything, and then the Chambliss walk off in the ALCS, right? That to me, that was the great. That was the greatest sports season. I'll never ever match that. And they didn't even win at the end, right? Oh, that's great. There you that's go. Did you have one? Do you remember one year that was the greatest year? Uh, I mean, always the Steelers. Steelers. You er- have to be like Steelers. Not my nineteen. And then Larry Bird, Boston Celtics. I loved. Oh, when they beat the Lakers, which year? Just I just love, I like the watch, I like watch. I love that NBA. Those, the Bird Magic NBA years were amazing. And then all March Madness, all because we're big Virginia fans. Ralph Sampson. Right, those years. I mean, they our whole family, like you say, brings everybody together. You live and die. Our name, our dog's name is freaking Ralph. <laughs> I mean, so everything's we're following Ralph Sampson like a bunch right. of crazy people. We we our family like lived and died sports though. I mean, we went. Even my mom was all in. I mean, there was depression, yeah, yeah. crying. His mom was in. There was there was my mom <laughs> today. She can't watch Virginia. She just walks around when she goes. To the, they go to all the Virginia Cavaliers basketball games. Mm-hmm. And my mom just walks around the circle. Because she's uh, too nervous? Like, she can't handle it. This it's is like it, out of control. I'm going like, to tell you right now, yeah, yeah, Virginia yeah, yeah, yeah. fucks this up. It doesn't get to the <laughs> Final Four this I year. I am never taking that. I mean, I'll take them to lose the first round every time. I'm yeah. done with people telling me this guy's. I, it's hard. I hate it's, Tony yeah. Bennett. 
The way they play stinks. I know. This is it, Neil. They don't I do know. it this year. It's this hard. Year, their best team Sports ever. Sports are hard like that. They can. They can. It's hard. Are you guys implying that Iona is not going to the final no. four? No, they got a chance to cover the spread. I think though. I'm still pissed at Jeff Rulin because this ties in my favorite year ever was. Uh, the 83 Sixers, you know, like oh, yeah. um, I grew up with Dr. J fan. Moses Malone. Moses the Malone. Faux, five, faux. Faux, five, faux. Faux, faux, faux. Those were good. That, years, was, that was the year, the, night, the day we kept losing year after year after year. And then news report, I'm sitting in the den. Again, vividly remember sitting there, my parents on the couch. The sports comes on because there's no ESPN, I think, right? right? That was, no, it, oh, it was, oh, yeah. was, but it was, it was you know, breaking. They were showing like Irish hurling and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think I watched Sports Center and they're like, the 76ers have traded for Moses Malone. I'm like, I turn around, I stand up, I look at my parents, I go, the Sixers are going to win the NBA championship. And both of them go, we don't know what you're talking about. You know, like they have no idea what I'm saying. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm going to be watching every 76ers game all next year. That was pretty and good. I stayed with that the whole year. And they won the final. And that was the greatest year of sports ever. Okay, we move on. And we get to our final portion today. It's quiz time. Let's do it. It's quiz time. Now, Neil, I'm. Anytime I, I can take down a professor, it means is, a lot to me. This Look, is, I understand you beat a double a PhD, so yeah, I, I yeah, know I'm going to lose. So this, this is all is, crazy. You know? No, this is very easy, Let's but you got to take this seriously. It's a time quiz. This is got time it. quiz. Time. This is, and I mean, this is going to be speed round. You could do this in 30 seconds. Oh, you're right up 30 my alley. 30 seconds. Quick responses. And I, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm not going to have you That's cheat fine. outside because I know it's So go out. Neil's going to go, and I'll tell everybody what the quiz is in a minute. If I don't come back, that means I admitted I, I was going to lose. <laughs> okay. Because you were over. Okay. This is, we are back on Neil's outside. All this is, is I try to get some journalism going here. Okay. So it's Anchorman. Oh. Okay. I'm going to name the Anchorman. All you got to do is tell me what network they're on. Oh, God. Okay. That's it. I, I'm not going to do as well on this as you hope I do. <laughs> I don't know. So look, there's not, they're not, not even that hard. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna just go. We'll start it off. Ready, and go. Don Lemon, CNN, Katie Turr, NBC. You wanna MSNBC? There you go. Al Roker, NBC. Jim Cantori, CNBC. No, it's the Weather Channel. Oh. Brett Baer, Fox. Walter Cronkite, CBS. Ted Koppel. ABC. Aaron Burnett. CNN? Yes. Shepard Smith. Fox. Be specific here. Maria Bartiromo. CNBC? Oh, no. She's on Fox Business now. Yes. John Buchigras. That name sounds so familiar. ESPN? Yes. Yeah. Scott Pelley. CBS. Jeff Glore. CBS. David Muir. ABC. Ali Velshi. Where's Ali Velshi? CNN? No. Oh, MSNBC. Damn, I David knew that. David Garraway. I don't know who that is. You don't know who David Oh, Dave Garraway, Garraway of the Today Show, NBC. Yeah. There you go. Diane Sora. Sawyer was Sawyer. A, Well, she was a lot of places, but she's most known for ABC. Peter Jennings. ABC. Christian Amanpool. Uh, CNN. And Katie, Katie Kay. Katie Kay. She's the BBC. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. One minute, 21 seconds, and you got 18 out of 20. I should have known the Ali Velshi one. I don't know why I choked on that. Okay, let me go get Neil. I don't have to leave because I've heard. No, nope, right, right, that's right. right. Okay, yeah. 
I felt my rights were violated just now. Your rights weren't violated. We just don't want you to cheat. I How didn't fun give permission to cheat. be filmed. I know with by audio, New York's camera? a one-person state, so as long as one person knows they're being recorded. But I don't know what the video rule is. Oh yeah, I don't know yeah. about that. That's a good little. Right. So well, not, is there a lawyer in? That was good, right? I'm in recovery. Oh yeah, you're like. Uh, this is Anchorman. I give you the Anchorman, since we have a journalism guy here. I give you the Anchorman. All you got to do is tell me the network. Done. You got to do it in less than a Jesus minute and 21 Christ. seconds. Of all the things. What? You watch TV all the time. I do watch too much TV. All right, all right here Neil. we go. All right, Jen Bagakis. This is... <laughs> let's see what's up. Let's do it. What's up? Here we go. And let me start the clock. Don Lemon. Uh, CNN. Yep. Katie Turr. Uh, MSNBC. Yep. Al Roker, NBC, Jim Cantori, Jim Cantori. That's a tough one. CNN. Nope. Dang the, it. The Weather Channel. Come on, man. Brett, I was going to say the Yankees. Brett Bear. <laughs> Fox. My favorite Walter channel. Walter Cronkite. CBS. Ted Koppel. The only guy that told the truth. ABC. Aaron Burnett. Oh, that's a tough one. She's CNN now. Yep. She was Shepard Smith. Fox. Be specific here. Maria Bartiromo. She's on Fox Business. Yes. John Buchagross. Um, uh, I was going to say New York Mets. No, I'm just joking. Uh, he sounds like a baseball player. Uh, let's go with uh, CNN. No. Shit. ESPN, you idiot. Uh, I, Scott, oh, you threw me off with Scott the sports Pelly. one. Scott Pelly. ESPN. No. Scott Pelly. 60 minutes. Oh, shit. Yes. Jeff Glor. This is bullshit. Jeff Glor. This is bad. Jeff Glor. Uh, Def who? Glor. G-L-O-R. Who would know this guy? He's the lead anchor on this. ABC. No, CBS Nightly News. Damn it. David Who watches the CBS My mom. Yeah, David Muir. You mean the 6.30? Muir is ABC. They are the same guy. Different network. Ali Velshi. Oh, MSNBC now. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Dave Garraway. Dave Dave Garraway? You got to go back. He's long dead, but he's one of the most famous broadcasters in the history of broadcast journalist did he do sports no okay uh dave garraway dave Gar- pbs go like the, all right good night whatever you didn't do pbs yet no he C- was on anchorman M- pbs they had pbs on the movie diane anchorman. sawyer abc that's because she was with mike nichols peter jennings abc christian amabul well two cnn and pbs and caddy k Caddy MSNBC. No, the BBC network. No, she's oh, on M- she's on MSNBC God. all the time. Caddy K is every day. She's fa- she's a lead anchor for when the they BBC spoof her on News. SNL. They spoof her off MSNBC. That's a controversial. Well, as a guest, though, I think not. Yeah, as but it's an still anchor. controversial. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Fifteen well, out of twenty. Damn it! Two minutes nine seconds. Who I miss Kerouac? He did. Kerouac? Jack Garraway. Kerouac. Kerouac. Dave Garraway is the NBC that today. But you said David forever. to me. That's what threw me I'm off. Sorry. But then I figured it out. Just tell me I lost. You yeah. lost. Our winner is Mitchell Barr. Boom! How could you pull a regular 630? The only people that watch that are my parents. You literally shit on Dave Glor from CBS. The same Jeff. job, Jeff Glor. The same guy who does that job on ABC is David Muir. So how do you know one and not the other? Well, one's better looking. Okay. Right? Isn't David Muir the good-looking one? They're, they're all anchors. Aren't they all yeah, good-looking? Kind of, but he's more Did you not see Broadcast News? He's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's definitely not good-looking. That's right. my favorite. The way we end the show is one Wait, good, what did I lose by? You, He got 18 out of 20. You got 15 out of 20. He did it in a minute and 21 well, seconds. You did I mean, it in I'm two in minutes. the ballpark. 
What would that yeah, give me you in your class? Them. What would I get? Like a C? Fifteen out of twenty? Yeah. C plus. And then and then I'll come talk to you and ask for a B. <laughs> yeah, I don't change my grades. What about if we go what golfing? What about on a curve? If you're that the top, one of my you got eighteen. Let's why don't we what if we go golfing? I don't golf. Can I get uh, Wait. what if I take you to a Yankee game? Does that give me a two up to I the B? I go to plenty of Yankee games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, take Yankee game. I have a season ticket plan. I don't need you. Uh, one of the one of my professors at Baylor gonna, tried it. He's <laughs> gonna follow you around with camera and kill you until you I do did. something bad. No, one of my professors. that was another I had so Black many male. good college. No, my professor at Baylor, we went golfing. And we set, we your grade said it went up at the beginning. One of my hardest classes. We said it early. We're yeah. like, we're like, let's go, go. golfing someday. Yeah, we heard he liked golfing, so we right. talk about golf around this guy. We played this guy, and then we, and then finally we go golfing. And he's like, at, on like the thirteenth hole, he's like, we were having, we were laughing and having, right. and on the thirteenth hole, he's like, don't, I don't worry about things. I got you guys. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah! <laughs> oh, Mrs. Potter, this is a scandal. You should get your money back from Baylor University. <laughs> Stupid college anyway. All right. One good thing or bad thing of the week. Uh, Neil, you want to start? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a meltdown yesterday. A New York City. You did? New York City never customer service meltdown. With who? At Starbucks, With and it just continued on. It At was Starbucks? My, Neil loves I, Starbucks, I, everybody. <laughs> I go to I go yeah. to Starbucks. Yeah, my I go there like ten times a day, and this guy, yeah. he's standing at the cash register, and I'm standing there. It's just me and him. There's yeah. no one else in the store. It's really empty. It's like seven thirty at night, and he's on the phone, and he won't get off the phone. And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, I'll just want a coffee, and I say it like that, and he just turns away from me, and uses the phone. And I'm just like, oh man, I just like it's testing because I will not get mad in New York. A I worker will, nothing is on will, the phone. I work, and he's like, so he finally comes to me. I walk out, and I'm like, fuck, I want a coffee. I walk back in. There's no other Starbucks you can go to. Only four. There are. I, I do go to that, and yeah. I just I never say anything. I told that I just had to say something. I'm like, you know, you're that is so rude. What you just did. Really? I go, that's pathetic. Look at you. I go, I come here every day. You should be embarrassed. And then I start like <laughs> controlling myself. And I'm like, anyways, it's fine. It's fine. He's, He's like, oh, well, he goes, I'm talking to the, my business manager. And I'm like, I don't care who I just give me coffee. All I want is a coffee. And I just go fine. It's over. And I walk out and it's yeah. over. And so then I go get Chipotle on the way home. And so I get Chipotle. <laughs> and this guy is like, it was like customer Again? service winning. I get up there. I go to Chipotle. I'll have a burrito. And he puts like three pieces of rice on my burrito. <laughs> and I'm like, are you shitting me? I go, can you put more rice? And he puts like a small little scoop. Right. Right. And I'm like, and then he, no meat, no, like, and my burrito is like this big. And usually they <laughs> load up Chipotle. So custom, and then it gets worse. So, so the guy after me in line, there's it's two, the guy after me in line, the manager runs up. He's like, Hey sir, how are you? You just got a free burrito today on me. If I can, if is that all right? Oh, all right, there you go. No, that's not to me. The oh. guy next to me. Oh, and I'm like, are you shitting you. me? The guy next to me. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, do I? Is something wrong with the way I look? So now it's starting to. Now I've reflecting on myself. Anyways, right. the implosion. I just had. That so I funny. have an implosion at Chipotle, and it ends by me going to the the little place where you get the napkins. And, and this is the out. only thing that made me feel better. I took probably at least two to three hundred napkins <laughs> and i took all the plastic forks and all the plastic in the thing and i put them in my bag and, and i'm like i got them back baby neil potter is back and that's how i left it <laughs> i feel it's the only thing that made me feel better i know i i was gonna go back to starbucks and take anything that i could trying to equal out the money and 
and realize their rudeness cost them money that day. First of all, it's a short film if the guy from Starbucks is talking to the guy from short from I was Chipotle, say, right? I was going to say, I like thought when he said it all yeah. at the end, I thought that was the that ending was the, that he yeah. knows. Oh, my God. Yeah. Epic meltdown. Oh, my God. I, I don't know why you get... <laughs> Fast food hell. First of all, you shouldn't be eating any it's of the right. things you it, name. It's customer service. Fast food is just awful. They're trying to save your life. Oh, my God. Anyways. Do you have one, Mitch? Uh, I'm on spring break this week. Oh, so that's a good thing. This yeah, week. I mean, it's a bad thing because I've been doing work the whole time. But it's but yes, it's nice to be able to work at home for the week and not have to drive that's to nice. campus. That's very nice. Do you live in a city? No, I live on the other side of Westchester. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so nice. I don't know if you went through this with your son, but, you know... Um, uh, our kid did not sleep well. I mean, you're supposed to let him cry it out at like two, three months, somewhere in the middle of that. Like, uh, just have a weekend after about f- around month four and just let him cry it out and they will sleep through the night. Well, my wife, you know, when she started crying, my wife very would get up and feed her in the middle of the night. Then it turned into two feedings then it turned into three feedings. And this kid would not wean off the boob, you know, in the middle of the night. So my wife to get her to stop crying because she has to get up in the morning. Do this. So now We've created a monster, and instead of letting her cry it out like I begged her a hundred times, my wife decides we're going to get a sleep specialist. I'm like, okay, so she pays holy shit. You got to be shit me to do this conference call Sunday for you know to. With the I didn't even specialist. know that was out there. What is it? Yes. That, what is that? They tell you what you, the plan to get this kid to sleep through the night. Wait, do they come to your house and watch they you can, sleep? They, no, they can come to the house and watch the baby holy sleep or whatever. Shit. But this one does it over the phone because she's in Philly. She's very highly recommended. So we. We speak to this police, and I'm just waiting. I'm just oh waiting for God, it. I'm just waiting bit. for this softball <laughs> thrown right at me. I'm just waiting the whole time. She's setting us up, asking questions. Now, how long you, the babe does sleep in the same room? They're like the the whole Are thing. You and me? I'm just waiting. I'm like, I'm just and I keep. I'm setting her up. I'm setting my wife up for it's the big cool. fall. I'm just yeah. waiting to go. I I'm just wait. And finally, after about an hour, I just go. When do we get into the cry it out part, right? She goes, and she just starts laughing. There are three methods you can do. One, you let her cry it out. Two, um, you can, if she cries, you come in for five minutes. Don't pick her up. Don't feed her. Just calm yeah. her down. Just say, tough love. Tough love. You just say, it's five, 30 seconds. Calm down. It's all right. Yeah. Walk out. That'll be a movie. Then 10 minutes later, later in life for her. you do it again. Walks out 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later. Second night, you start at 10 minutes. When okay. she starts crying, it's okay. You walk out. Now, of course, <laughs> we're sleeping on the couch. I'm now sleeping out on my couch. And do you feel like a- any decision path you go down is going to ruin her life one way or another? Absolutely not. <laughs> Every kid has gone through this. And, it's not. and the third the third thing is we went for the second choice. I just wanted cold turkey cry it out. But we went for the second option where we're out in the hallway, whatever. And we're out in the other room and coming in. And the third one is like you, you're still in the room and going sh- and talking to her the whole time and talking yeah. to her. Absolutely not. So. I got my way at least to the second level, right? Two days in, kid sleeps through the night. I mean, right in two seconds. But so basically, my wife paid four hundred bucks to tell you to let this kid just cry. Stop feeding her in the but middle. But you of knew night. all this. Of everybody knows all of this. It's not the sleep. Turns out the sleep specialist is not for the baby. It's for the mother. That's uh, what the whole sleep thing is, it's because the mother wants to be is so afraid they're going to hurt the baby or just wants to be close to the baby. And my wife had a complete breakdown when she realized that I'm not going to be able to feed her again. And then oh, that she's OK. Like, yeah, that's oh my God. She's growing up. <laughs> I got to do that because I could make money doing that. Sleep specialist. Tell yeah. people just cry it that's out. That's like easy money it's for me. Genius. And I could use that extra money. There's a lot of paperwork and following up. But yeah, that's basically it. Let, so parents out there, if kids get to like four or five months. 
Did you use a sleep? Cry it out. Specialist? Were you no, kidding? we did not use a sleep. Specialist. <laughs> did you cry it out? We cried it out. You're like, like cold turkey cried it out or went in and. Yeah, he was pretty good overnight. I got to say the crying stuff with him was more during the day. But yeah. Um, but yeah, he just he cried it out. What's next? The baby sleeping like I went to sleep. at we I went to sleep at like 11 the other night. Woke up at seven in the morning on the couch, though. So my whole body hurts. But I'm like, somehow I feel better. Like now we're tonight is the, I think the first night that we're going to try it in the room. Like, oh, my God, tomorrow hey, I might dance what, through my set. What's next? Do you want me to bring chicken pox in here to get, take care of that problem? No, we anybody not giving the kids shots. The guy from feel Kentucky, free to email me so I can tell you to go fuck yourself. Kids. You yeah. heard about the, the guy governor of Kentucky. Kentucky. He chicken pox his kids. He he brought him to a place with he, chicken he let pox. it he cried it out with his kids. That's the same the chicken kind pox. Of, mm-hmm. Except he brought in chi- the neighbors he had chicken pox. In. He went over and got chicken pox for his kids. Were the kids vaccinated though? No, no. Holy, why? Because he wants to make it. Once you get it once, you never have. You never get it again. Something tells me this guy didn't use a sleep specialist. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. No, but I mean, it's like the whole. <laughs> it's what you're saying before. about the anti-vaccine. No, yeah. but now they have vaccines for it, so you don't oh, need oh, to do that. Yeah. Really, they have a vaccine for chickenpox. I had a. I believe so. That's one of the. I didn't. I had chickenpox. I had chickenpox. Yeah. Yeah. The funniest thing is, I had five chickenpox. You could name them. Yeah, I had over there. Two, three, four, five. The guy's like, he has the chickenpox. Go home. My sister got head to toe, 700,000 of them. To say it was funny it would have been the understatement of the century. Wait, but. can you pay the sleep person to come to your house and watch you sleep? And I, like, is that part of the, I guess if it's is that baby, on the website? Yes, like think, the full goal package is she I think the full watches goal you package sleep is, one yes, night? Yes, Holy Parents shit. are so concerned that there is an entire industry that will teach you to do anything. I love yes. that. Anything, Neil. I love that. You guys did well last night. Great sleep. Yeah, it was fantastic. Exactly, that's what you're saying. That's, uh, that's, that's how you gotta do it. $5,000. Yeah. Okay. Ridiculous. So that's your new thing? I might as well be that. Mitchell Bard, is there any uh, social media we can catch you on? Um, I'm on Twitter at, at Mitchell Bard, but I do more reading than tweeting. I y- occasionally tweet journalism-related stuff. Any writings that uh, you would like to tout yourself? Any My, my academic writing? Out? No, I mean, if there, is there any, you know, like the Huffington Post, are you working on anything that you'll be presenting somewhere that we can read? Or um, No, I mean, I have all kinds of academic writing, but no one wants to read that. Um, any films that you want to put me and Lenny in? Anything like that? Um, uh, like, sure. you see a short film for us both? I have uh, an idea for it. a short film. Oh! Wait a second. We now go. we're talking. He's back in the business. Woo-hoo! Thanks for coming in today. We really appreciate Thanks it. Was it easy or so worried? Yeah. Easy. I wasn't that. Yeah, it was easy. It was easy. very easy. Thank You're you very, you make it, you make it very easy. Thank you. Thanks, Beautiful. Right. Podcast. Let's bring in a podcast specialist. I'm a podcast oh, wait specialist. Wait a second. All right. We'll see you guys next week.